everybody. Welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast. This is segment two with Australia's very own, Mizuno's very own, Daniel Popovich. How are you, mate? Very good. Very good, Ross. Thanks for your stories in episode one. And uh, it's very rare that I get to do a two-parter. And it's very rare that I get to talk to someone who's got such a broad breadth of uh, <laughs> great stories. But as I said at the close-off of uh, episode one with uh, the Daniel Popovich story, I wanted to spend a bit of time now talking about your current world in the world of Mizuno. Yep. And it's not your first, I guess, gig out of professional golf career. You, you had a bit of time working for, I think, was, was Temper? Temper, yeah. So yeah. the mattress company. Yep. Yeah. And that, were they one of, the, one of the supporters of yours in... Yeah, that's spot on. You've done your research very well. Um, I think, so they, <laughs> I think you told. I think I think actually you told me when we, when we met. I said, "What are you up to? What are you up to, mate?" He said, "I'm working for Temper." I said, "Oh, I get a bad back in my mouth." Yeah. I was more more thinking about, "Oh, can I get a mattress? Uh, can I can I get a deal on a mattress here?" You know, we're like golfers, mate. We're always looking for a deal, aren't we? No, I know, I know those guys very well. So if anyone any uh, supporter of this podcast, if they they want to just reach out to you, and I can um, yeah certainly point them in the right direction. We can hook that. hook you up on that's a temp. No problem. Yeah. That's not a sponsorship. That's just a genuine. An offer. Yeah. Uh, no, they're, uh, they're very good. So they've they've helped out me and also my family and friends. Yeah, yeah they're they're amazing beds. But um, and that's not just from me. Yeah, being a, a I guess supporter of them and also a worker of them. But I've I used their beds before I even met uh, anyone from Temper. So, um, so they did support you on on when you were professional. Yeah. So the GM there, Jason Nicholas, who's an absolute legend. Um, cut a long story short, he he reached out to a friend of a friend of mine and said, you know, like oh, you know, like we'd like to help Daniel out. We know that he doesn't have a sponsor, and and it was there was no monetary uh, change in it. It was just via product. Mm. Um, so I got myself a free bed, got my dad a free bed, um, and from that, yeah, just yeah, I guess lived and breathed temper ever since but um i had like i said i had temper before that so i knew knew all about the product previous to that but they're amazing bets but um and yeah, then, you went, my, then you went and work for them yeah so i get i guess my transition was um when i was slowing down with golf uh, i was actually working out at our park driving range i was going to do my bridging course to become a, a coach or a certified coach pga certified coach and um um, I'll, as mentioned in the first episode, I wasn't completely in love with the game, especially those those last uh, little couple of years or little stints that I was I was doing playing out on tour. Um, and I just I felt like I needed to get away, like just step away from the game because it, it was really getting me down. Um, and Jason out of temper, we we caught up for coffee whenever I was back in Australia. He's a close friend of mine, but he um, he kind of reached out and then had the olive leaf, and he said, "Well, why don't you come work for us?" And uh, I seriously considered it, and sure enough, not too long after, I went for a couple of interviews and was lucky enough to get a job with them. And, and I loved my time there. Um, I was just with the sales team, just as one of, I guess, the reps, we'll call it account managers or glorified sales reps. Um, and my uh, region was Victoria and Tasmania, very similar to what I'm doing with Mizuno. But, um, yeah, I guess learned some new skills and, and um, picked up a lot of knowledge with beds. <laughs> so if you've got any bed questions, I'm more than happy to help you out. But, yeah, cut a long story short, I, I yeah, I guess kick-started my uh, corporate career or, or uh, career away from golf um, with them. How did you feel when you when you knew that you had, you know, a, a significant job? You know, yep. you'd, you'd made that decision, but now you had a significant job. Yeah. You know, how did that feel for you back then? It's a really interesting question. I've never really thought about it. Um, it's with... 
put it in this context, in Australia. So that's that's where I was playing the last couple of years, just solely Australia. I didn't really travel overseas. I just didn't want to. But um, with Australia golf, to be successful really on any tour, um, it's classified as if you keep your card or if you or if you keep your card, um, like whatever. If you've got a job basically for the following year. Um, in Australia, to keep the card that year, I remember looking at it, it was like $26,000 roughly. You're spending, if you go into every event, you're spending double that. Um, on travel, caddies, com- like food, accommodation, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. So essentially you're, you're in the red at the end of the year. You're, you're minus 20-odd thousand dollars. Um, with this new job, um, all of a sudden you're getting, on the 15th of every month, you're getting an instalment of, of money into your account. Um, not only that, you're, I'm basically learning new skills. Um, I'm stepping up like in regards to what could be a very future, like like in the... I guess ladder of life, like you're, you're stepping up in the ladder of life. Um, so for me, the transition was really easy because I felt like I was getting ahead, or mm. I was I was going forward um, instead of like kind of stagnant with golf, which I was. I honestly was in those that last year or two, um, and and felt like I was going backwards. So for me, it was really easy when I look back on it now. This, I've never actually been asked that question, but yeah, when I look back on it, it was really easy because I felt like I was going forward and mm. I was taking that next step in in my life. Yeah, well, you know, having always, you know, been employed and getting, yep. you know, that 15th of the month and, and, you know, getting paid and, you know, your career-wise, you know, you're thinking about how do I get to the next role, the next level, the mm-hmm. next incremental pay increase. Yeah. But you've always got that consistency there. I've never been in that position where, you know, if you don't win, you know, you're not getting paid as much and you've got expenses and then, right. you know, the, that pressure on. So yep. it must have... It must have felt good to, yeah, you know, in the 15th right. of yeah. month, you know, to be knowing that, you know, you're married by then. Yeah, oh, actually. Oh, married by then? <laughs> I got married. No, I actually got married the week after I played my last event. So, I and I started on Boxing Day of 2017 with Temper, and I got married on the 16th of December, 2017. So, perfect yeah, timing. Yeah. Perfect timing. Yeah, it was just around that. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of new life, uh, life events yeah. happening around that time. So you did learn a bit about beds and backs and all of that oh, sort yeah. of thing. Yep. Temper is the um, the rubber. The, no, yeah. So the technical term of it is viscoelastic. So right. essentially it's a thermoreactive or heat-sensitive product. So the longer you lay in an area, obviously the warmer that your body parts are going to get in regards to like your pressure points. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more it actually relieves pressure. So it, it's like a dynamic mattress. Like it, it will actually adapt to your body regardless of how you sleep. So then I'll ask you another you know, transitional sort of career-based story. Mm. So you, you get thrust out into the... And having, you know, worked in similar roles as yourself yep. through my, my entire corporate career, you know, you, you are coming up against a whole load of different personalities, yep. a whole <laughs> load of different business yep. operators and, and ways of operating and the ways of treating people yeah, in those and roles. Being treated. And yep. being treated, yeah. exactly. Um, you must have some cracking stories there, but what it, you know, like so we talked about your time on tour and how you have all those personalities and there's banter and there's a bit yep. of fun, a bit of side action, all that sort of thing. But now you're in business, yep. But you've got all these other personalities that probably not always the easiest to deal with, yep. But you've Still got on. some legends as well, yep. What did you know? What did you feel like when you went into one of those accounts where, you know, they're not tra- treating you with the respect that you think that you know you deserve to be treated from a a business sense and mm-hmm. b a brand sense. What was going on there for you? I guess for me, that's where I was really lucky because I hadn't been um, exposed to any of that previously. I had to learn. So it's kind of like I'm learning off my 
clients. Um, so whenever I went into an account or whenever we had meetings or discussions, um, I'd be the one that was constantly asking the questions. Whereas I think people that have been in that role previously, um, not to say that they're bad, but it's, it has a very much a mentality of, I know what to do or I know where this is going kind of thing. So everyone runs their business differently. Like you would run your drummer business very different to the guy down the road or, you know, whatever business that that may be, whether it's drumming or not. But um, you have to learn how that person wants to do business or how they run their business or how they like to run their business before you actually can give some advice or, or anything like that because it's their business, it's not your business. Like we're only a very, very small part of their business and all we want to do is make money just like you and, and we need to find out ways that we can do it together. So, yeah. yeah so... I was lucky in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you learn you learn that from the good uh, the good operators. You know, they 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 help you understand that very early yep. on. You know, at what adding value means to them. Yep. And and how you can best serve them in terms of your role, w- representing your brand. Certainly. And you know, sometimes it can be very a really simple and symbiotic relationship by just understanding what you need to do and how you need to help that person achieve their targets. Yep. And that's basically basically it so then at some point you've gone i need a change what happened there um so transition from temper to mizuno so that's (laughs) that's a very very interesting part so covid was a a big part of it um not that i was made redundant or or anything like that but um i think it got me the opportunity when i was working from home where i was like i really want to play golf um and this role and also with two little kids now um, I'm not getting any time so I want to work in the golfing industry Um, but I didn't want to take just any job I didn't want to I actually didn't even want to be in a very similar job to what I was doing previously but I knew that I wanted to work for a company that I actually believed in Um, and it's not to say that I don't believe in any of the other companies but I know Mizuno Irons in particular are freaking awesome Um, I used to have some when I was amateur but then turning pro and, and being contracted with Titleist and whatnot, but um, cut a long story short, the opportunity came up and they don't normally come up very easily in the golfing industry, especially like those sort of behind the scenes um, areas. So when the role came up, I jumped at it and, and, um, and I, yeah, I guess I, I had enough behind me that I was lucky enough to land the role and, and here I am three months in and I've probably only worked about three days because of COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, three days in a, con- in a conventional sense, absolutely. Mm. Did the, uh, so you said you wanted to play golf. You know, did were the fires reignited at some point for a bit of the game, or what happened there? Well, because when we met, it was yeah. pre-COVID, yeah, and we met at Peninsula Kingswood, and you were playing <laughs> with some of the big boys, yeah, and uh, I can't remember who who was with us. Uh, you had Blakey, I had uh, Jeff Ogilvy was one, Ricky Ponting was another, and it was either I can't remember the day because I reckon I played two or three days that week, um, which is like the two or three times I play this year, but. Um, it was either Adam White from RSN, Whitey, yeah. or it was Brendan Goddard. Yeah, it might have been BJ. But if it was BJ, then that day I played really well. Yeah. <laughs> I played really well. Um, might have been BJ. Yes, that's right. I was with Blakey. And yeah. how could I forget? Blakey, I, I know you'll be listening to this because he's <laughs> listened to every My Love of Golf podcast. Blakey is the master of uh, golf rules in oh, Australia. Yeah. And, uh, and he and I do the Golf Rules Questions podcast. So there's a bit of a plug to the Golf Rules Questions <laughs> podcast with Blakey and Roscoe. Um, yeah, that's right. I was with Blakey and he obviously knew you from the tournament. Well, yeah, yeah, there you go. Great guy. Yeah. But that, that day, that was a special day. I think they still won't put my name up in gold letters. I had six under that day. Off the backs, Peninsula Kingswood. It was 
like North Course. Still, I don't think there is a course record. Well, put it this way. This was start of the year. I can't remember what date it was, but roughly January, February? I can't yeah, I think it was February, yeah. yeah. Um, it was yeah, pre-COVID mm. or when COVID was just about to kick off. And um, I knew there wasn't a course record then up there, but it wasn't a normal comp day. That might be why they're not putting it up in gold letters yet. It was just Wednesday of our comp, wasn't it? Or Wednesday or Thursday of our comp? I don't think I was in the comp. Because oh. the, there was tees out, but we played off the, the, blues. Like the plates. Yeah. yeah. Ah, right. Yeah. Oh, we kicked off the course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't playing in the, the, the rules of the competition. If we had Blakey here, he'd tell us why that, that, that might, may or may not stand. Um, has Fraser never gone six deep? He's I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Fraser's, Fraser's had some good scores around there. No doubt, yeah. Yeah, like I think I remember when Mari told me, uh, he, he said, oh, I'll play with Fraser. Because they're Kingswood buddies yep. from the Kingswood days, so I had Fraser go. This is early doors when you know the whole merge had just happened. He said they had thirty six points off plus seven. Plus seven, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, I mean, and you Amazing, just you, yeah. you just think about that and you think, you know, yeah, that's that's just an example of how oh, good that level, yeah. that level is yep. is all about. Yeah, yeah. So your average like sort of scratch golfer that says oh, I want to turn pro, well, you've yeah. probably got a little bit of a way to go. Yeah. Probably a whole other podcast in in advising people, you know, that, that young fellas and girls that go, think yeah. that they're off, you know, one or two that can turn pro. You know, you've heard Ian Poulter and uh, yeah, that's another one. You know, yeah. other guys that have gone up turn pro at four. Yep. This day, these days, it's, it's a bit, diffi- happen, a bit yeah. different. Yeah. So let's go to Mizuno. Yep. So you're down there working uh, with Mizuno, mm-hmm. Japanese brand. Yep. Long-held Japanese traditional brand, you know, and they're a sporting goods company. As many Japanese companies are, they diverse. They have a number of different products and portfolios. So Mizuno have the running shoe department, they have the all the other gear that they do in the sports world, and they have these wonderful golf clubs. I remember Mizuno. My brother was uh, blessed with uh, getting a set of Mizuno uh, clubs when he was a kid. He was younger than me. I had the PGFs. He got the Mizunos. Sport. Yeah, he was a better golfer than me. Was not is anymore. I'm the I'm the number one in the family <laughs> yeah, right. now, Daniel. Just to put that out there for the world. My dad does listen uh, to this, so dad, I'm the number one in the family. All right, we got to get you Mizunos in. I'll speak to your dad. Oh, <laughs> get my dad some Mizunos. <laughs> um, no, no, not at all. Um, anyway, back to the series. Um, but I remember hitting. I remember my first experience with the Mizuno, and I can't remember what they were MP14s or something like that. They're obviously a long time, long, long, long time ago. And I had zero idea about golf clubs and the differences. I didn't know what forged and cast sure. and all of that was um, back then. But I just remember that that feeling mm-hmm. of that club at that time. And we're playing with, you know, professional, titles professionals. So we're playing with Ballada and yep. that sort of level of ball was different. And I didn't understand why it was different. But what I did know is I really liked it. Do you understand and, now? Yeah, absolutely. Because yep. <laughs> yep. I, I pedal that stuff <laughs> every day. Right, right okay. Um, but, but even back then, you know, a forging was different to the forging now and what grain flow forging yep. is, and you can tell us all, all yep. that in a minute. But I just remember that, that that was my first experience of a true Japanese forged club, mm-hmm. and it felt different, and I liked it. Now then, rolling for me forward and, and under, you know, learning more about golf and golf equipment, because, you know, as a car guy, as a Mercedes-Benz guy, you know, you, you get fairly technical with what you know about your product yep. you know Mercedes you can understand it's, as you know it's a fairly detailed product to so you've got to be able to talk sure. about it yeah sure and golf's a little bit like that as well I agree and I was able to sort of transition that 
Mercedes-Benz way of thinking about all the different components that make up and make a, a Benz what it is and bring that into um, my, you know, help facilitate my golf knowledge. Um, but, yeah, the, the Mizuno product, you know, like when I think about, you know, the Japanese forgings, you know, like I work for a Japanese company and right. so I'm very passionate about that sort of Japanese culture and, and the, you know, I was very good at understanding the difference between their culture and Australian culture and I, I, my Japanese bosses at the time back at Suzuki days got on very well with they loved the fact that I was a long hitting golfer so I, I would get the uh, the knock on the Friday Friday afternoon <laughs> uh, uh, Ross-san uh, yes Tosan or uh, uh, who um, Terry Toe Terry Toe was the boss at the time he loved his golf Toe Tosan I said yes Tosan he said uh, can we have a meeting uh, Sunday morning please <laughs> and that was yeah that was code for you know go let's, go, let's yeah. go to golf let's go to golf because he didn't want the other he didn't want the other colleagues the Aussie colleagues to know that you know we were playing golf sure. together so we had this sort of clandestine you know off course <laughs> golf relationship and yep. and there was two senior Japanese guys at Suzuki and then two junior Japanese guys that did a lot of the work so one of them fortunately for me didn't play golf like Kondo, didn't play golf. But Takakudo was the young guy, and he was the golfer, as were Tosan and the um, Imamura-san. So that was this perfect little foursome. And Taka, the young guy, would look after me. You know, we just talked together, and you know, the bosses would play, and they'd just go, oh, you know, long, Greg Norman, you know, all that sort of thing. <laughs> so, and excuse my bad Japanese accent. That's, you know, that's, that's That's what I do. If you get offended by me doing accents, well, you probably, it's probably, yeah, not right. the, probably not the podcast for you. Um, <laughs> But it was just a great time to pl- to to play, and I, you know the, the the Japanese culture and that whole, and they all had Japanese forge clubs, and uh, and they loved it. And I just had this picture of samurai swords and yeah, you know, forging it like yeah, steel. Turbo still does yeah. that over there. So yeah. um, anyway, we digress. The Mizuno product range. You've just released some wonderful new products: the JPX nine two one family of irons, yep. a new wedge. What else is new? Uh, well, I can't speak too much about it, but because uh, mainly because I don't know too much about it. But there's going to be some new woods yeah. coming out early next year. Um, yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of new JPX range products. It's more, I guess, catered for a larger market than what Mizuno traditionally was. I guess um, you'd know this from, I guess, your your brother's days. They, they were mainly aimed at elite level golfers or like the, sort of those those guys that could use blades type of thing. Um, but yeah, this this new JPX range is is catching a larger area market, and it sort of changed. You know, JPX is the I guess the brand positioning for you know that wider section of the market. Mm-hmm. But when the JPX nine one was it nine one nine? Yep, and nine hundred before that. And nine hundred. When when did the the Brooks blade come into thing? Was that the nine so, one? You know, he had the um, nine hundred. He had the yeah, yeah, he won I think two or three majors with yep. the nine hundred. Yep. Um, and then he won, yeah, at least one with the 919. Apologies, I, I don't remember yeah. off the top of my head. I know that he was using Mizuno wines. But, but it was 900, 919, 921. And, yep. and that's when that JPX family really tried to position-wise and marketing-wise started to change, you know, because they needed to get, you know, their mainstream brand name into, you know, have some tour presence. And that mm-hmm. was a real – and whatever the story was around Brooks getting it, you know, whether Mizuno made an iron for Brooks and then said, we want you to try this and before he wasn't using that brand. Yep. But he obviously ended up being very successful with it. But it was a great way for getting the JPX name to have that tour yeah. validation. So it was all JPX, the history of it, if that's what you're asking, the yeah. history of it, um, uh, Japanese Performance Extreme is mm-hmm. what it stands for. 
Um, and it, they've actually created like a cartoon around it, um, the JPX range. Um, I don't know if you can jump online and, and see it, but I've seen yeah some snippets of it, and it's um, basically a Japanese character that's like you know super strong, uh, big muscles on him, and things like that. And they wanted to translate, I guess, like that character into a golf club. Um, so the initial or the early days versions, which is prior to the 900 range, which was solely Japan sale only, it was like you know that sort of blue. Um, color or Japan, uh, sorry, Mizuno blue color on it. Um, very different to the like sort of the traditional blade look that Mizuno have. So the JPX range was very distinguishable from like sort of the MP range or the the Mizuno Pro range. It's what it's called over there. Um, but then, as I was starting to get um, some uncontracted tour players, when Nike uh, sort of closed down shop um, and they Mizuno were like then potentially trying to get some of those old Nike players, that's where the JPX range really started evolving and changing. So they started creating clubs with players, um, and Brooks was obviously one of them, and, and um, the 900 range they created with him, and same as the 919, and also this 921 with a few other players now. Mm. Yeah. So you've got tall level club, and then right through to something that's, you know, not game, game improvement. improvement yeah. That's what they're game. calling it. Yeah, I don't like that word game improvement. I don't know if that's right for me to say it from a Mizuno standpoint, but um, it's such a. Don't you feel it's a, it's a really interesting word like game improvement? Like, why wouldn't you buy a new set of irons to improve your game? Mm. Like, it, you'd always want to have a game improvement. Um, not necessarily a player's iron, but yeah, I'm always if I'm getting a new set of irons, I want them to improve my game. Yeah, yeah so. Um, yeah, the, the HMs or is like that ultimate sort of level of game improvement for us. Um, not to say that they're like sort of as large head or as big offset as some of the others, but then, yeah, say the tour is on the other spectrum of that play sort of thin top line, not much offset. So the 921 range, let's start. Yep. So you've got the tour model. Two up, yep. And then? Forged. Yep. Then HM Pro. Yep. Hot Metal Pro. And then HM. Right. So the the... Grade moving up, so obviously tour is tour, and it's a beautiful thin top line. Yeah, you know, very limited. Ten twenty five e material, so that beautiful Mizuno feel that you were talking yep. about before. Yep. Uh, then forged moves into a, a full head forged, but with chromoly material. So chromoly is that harder uh, material, very similar to what they use in say like roll cages. Mm-hmm. So a very very strong metal. But what Mizuno have been able to do is to make the carbon. Um, content in it slightly less so they can use it as a full hedge forged mm-hmm. so um, Mizuno's traditional feel we um, there's a high expectation on Mizuno feel and the way that we get that is by forging that head out of one billet of steel so it's not say two pieces or three pieces or four pieces of steel and then saying just forged on the back and it's just that back plate that's forged um, if we put forged on our clubs it's that whole head is from one billet of steel um, and so forged the 921 JPX forged range is at, made out of chromoly, um, so that harder, fast material, but still offering that nice Mizuno feel. And then moving into the HM range, so Hot Metal Pro and Hot Metal is chromoly, but now it's a cast head. Mm-hmm. So this is a full cast head, not like sort of a welded part, but a full cast head in that out of chromoly. So it is a position that you guys take and, and hold very dear to you, that you know that single piece billet forward. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yep. just describe for those that you know, don't understand the other way. Sure. You know, when you say two-piece, you know, let's yep. just talk about a two-piece forging. 
Ford. You know, or, or a Ford's club that has two pieces. What, yeah. what does that look like? And you don't have to name any brands or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, I definitely won't name any brands. But say when you get clubs that are made out of two-piece or three-piece, whatever it's going to be, those off-centre hits, you might get ones, like say with a five-iron out of a rough, one might go 140 metres um, and then one might go 180 metres. And you're wondering why. That's because in some areas of the club there's a very dense area of metal or there's, a um, say, a bit of tungsten behind it or something like that, and then in some areas there isn't. So that's all to do with how large that sweet spot is or the um, coefficient of restitution, COR area is. Or, um, it could be to do with a number of things. Um, but with Mizuno, we want consistency all over that club head and consistency of feel, consistency of dif- distance, flight, all that sort of stuff. We want ultimate consistency in that, that club head. So... Um, that's where we try to, I guess, um, eliminate um, some of the competitors out there in regards to feel, consistency, clubhead, ball flight. Yeah. So, so a Ford's club that would be two piece. The yep. basically what you've got there is the the hosel part might be you know w- yeah, micro you welded on. Yeah. Yeah, and the heads, the heads a separate part. Yes, yeah, spot on. So th- there's there's many different ways that manufacturers will go about, like saying that their club is forged. But with Mizuno, we have yeah, like our forged clubs. We actually don't write forged on the club unless it's a full billet of steel. Um, that 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 club head is just one piece of steel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then you see on the hosel of a lot of the clubs, um, grain flow. Yep. What, what what does that mean for the un, un, uninitiated? Yeah, so th- that's where Mizuno's taken it to the next level. We've called it HD grain flow or high density grain flow. Um, so the way the process that um, Mizuno take to make a club is you get one billet of steel, you put it into like say an oven, makes it really hot, they bend it, and then they put it into the oven again, and then they smash it. So they smash it into um, what would be a club club face. Um, with that high density forging, the grains of that steel. There's a lot more down low, so where particular contact is with a golf ball, and there's a little bit less up high. So what traditionally Mizuno did was they didn't necessarily put all the grains um, down low on the club. It was just very consistent on the whole of the club, whereas now there's a lot more down low, so there's going to be a lot faster ball speeds. And so it might be a foreign concept for you to, to learn, but you know, steel has a grain. Yeah, you know, like a timber yeah. has a grain correct. in the direction of growth. Yep. Well, steel has have grains in it as well, right. and that obviously affects the way that it feels know, when you've got a traject a, a, yep. a projectile, as in a golf ball, and a bit of steel hitting it. Um, it has an impact on Spot how on. that steel reacts to the force of the ball. Spot on, yep. resulting in ball speed. Spot on, and the, and the, I guess the more grains that you have um, in and around the ball, um, the more consistent that the shot is going to perform. Yeah. Boron? So on some of our clubs, yes. So on our new range, no. Mm-hmm. On our wedge, yes. Yeah. So the Boron is 1025E um, steel, which is our mould carbon steel, which is what, what, again, gives that beautiful Mizuno feel. But the reason why we infuse Boron in our wedges is so that has longer-lasting uh, life of the wedge groove. So some other manufacturers out there have a full cast head on their wedges. Um, so, yes, it's going to last longer because that steel is a lot firmer. Yep. But with our wedges, we want a little bit more feel um, or a little bit bit more uh, receptive yep. for that players in their hands. Um, yeah, so so basically there, and, you know, if you've... If you remember wedges of and forged clubs of years gone by, when mm-hmm. before boron was being used or other other you know materials that you can use in the steel, you would see those wear marks, you know, on the centre of the spot face. On. You know, yeah, those those pictures of eight irons and seven irons that have been ground down by pros, yep. 
and, and same as wedges, yep. you know, the Ford's wedges. You know, so what's what's happening there is is the grooves are wearing away and taking away the chrome, yeah. Taking away the chrome, taking away your grooves, yep. taking away your spin. Yep. And they're the clubs that you need to spin to stop spot the ball near the yeah, hole. So, you know, this boron just sharpens that yeah, firms that up. Longer like, life. Yeah, longer yeah. life makes yeah. the grooves more available to you for a longer period of time. Spot on. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So the the rest of the nine two one. So we've talked tour. We've got the, uh, the with the, the with pro. the forge as well. I just wanted yep. to yeah, touch go. on that again. So forged from seven iron through to the longer irons is that chromoly. From eight iron down is actually that ten twenty five e. So yeah, right. our forged range, we believe, is going to be one of our biggest sellers. Main reason is it gives that sort of uh, speed and performance with the longer irons, but mm-hmm. that sort of um, precision and, and feel with the shorter irons. So it gives that that blade feel or that, that Mizuno feel with the shorter irons, but still that, yeah, that. So the score, your scoring irons are, are just give you ultimate feel and yep. control and, you know, basically confidence. Yep. Yeah, that's what, that's what it tells me. That's what it says to me. Uh, and then what about the, you know, I don't know a better word to refer mm. to it, and then we can, you know. Game improvement. Game improvement. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, what about the, the two models there? Yep, so Hot Metal Pro, Hot Metal. So Hot Metal Pro, slightly smaller head, thinner top line, slightly less offset, but still uh, uh, giving the benefits of that Hot Metal range. So really large uh, COR area, the MOI's been improved, so like stability of of contact through, uh, sorry, stability of club face through contact. Um, But with the Hot Metal range, they've they've, um, made it a degree stronger, basically to keep up with every other supplier's sort of loft jacking that's going on out there. So people, let's say they hit their 7-iron as far as they used to hit the 5-iron, that's probably because the loft on your 7-iron is just the same as your old 5-iron. Um, so, yeah, 27 degrees with our 7-iron loft. But with that, um, the the centre of gravity is a lot lower and a lot deeper. So still having, say, a traditional 7-iron seven seven flight or 7-iron height in your flight. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, with those that hot metal range... Um, previously, it was our, our biggest seller, and we believe again with this new hot metal range, it's not going to change too much. Yeah. So you really got cater for everyone, you know, pro, yep, elite amateur, aspiring elite amateur, yep, and then yeah, your entry level golfer, entry level yeah. golfer, yeah, yep, beautiful. And what we've seen as well with the the hot metal range is that um, people are, are typically changing now from i guess the torture of like trying to use a a bladed iron to now moving into like sort of those cavity backs giving more forgiveness but still with mizuno with this new jpx range still offering that again mizuno feel that Mm. you talk about um that everyone i guess associates mizuno with is that ultimate feel with an iron so i wasn't alone back then in 1987 or whenever it was using (laughs) that mizuno and and describing that that mizuno feel now Got a new wedge too, which is a little bit different. Not not only yeah. for Mizuno, but a little bit different for the whole wedge category. Yeah, talk. What's the S twenty one? Yeah, ES twenty one. ES twenty one. So ES standing for enhanced spin. Yep. Um, twenty one being the year that yep. it's meant to be released, but now we're coming out early. Um, cut a long story short, with wedges, um, if you can imagine it in your head, there's a lot of mass or weight that's in the heel of the club. So right where the hosel is, there's a lot a lot of yeah, weight there and not too much on the on the toe end. So golf clubs traditionally shaped like a, a teardrop. Um, so to try and get as much weight as they can towards the toe. Uh, what Mizuno have done is taken it to the next level. They've they've made it a two piece construction. Uh, the heel of the club is actually hollow and high in the toe of the club is is where all the mass is. So it's moved that centre of gravity not only to the toe end of the club, but also a lot higher 
um, which is now made the centre of gravity in the direct centre of the club face. So um, with a traditional wedge being our traditional wedge or any traditional wedge that's out there, the centre of gravity of the club is actually quite low and towards the heel, just where mass is being distributed on a club face. What Mizuno have found is that, like let's say you're hitting a chip or a pitch out of the rough or whether it be on, on a slightly wetter ground and that, that club's grabbing into the ground, that club's going to want to tend to turn over. So with this ES21 wedge and where the centre of gravity is and where all the weight is and the mass is, it's not going to want to turn over as much. So it's keeping a very stable club face, in particular when you're hitting those wedge shots that are grabbing a bit of ground. Um, and I think everyone knows, like, when you're hitting a chip or a pitch, you don't want to close that club face over. You want to keep it, I guess, open or square for as long as possible so you have that consistent strike. But also moving that centre of gravity up the face... Um, if you catch a ball lower than the centre of gravity, it adds spin to a shot with any club. Mm. If you catch it above the uh, centre of gravity point, it's going to reduce spin. So say with drivers, if we relate that to drivers, if you catch it high on the face, it's going to like dome or top spin or, or feel as though that it's top spinning, yeah. even though it does have back spin. If you catch it low on the face, it spins a lot more. So with wedges, exactly the same. With any club, exactly the same. But with moving that centre of gravity higher on the face, more shots are going to be spinning. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me, yeah. Yeah, so you're going to get that consistency in, in spin, yeah. um, consistency in feel. So now if we catch a wedge shot closer to the toe, it's going to feel a lot more centred than, than uh, previously. And shape-wise, it's gone a little little bit higher toe sort of look? Very bit. slightly. Slightly, um, yeah. I think by the images that were on, like, say, Golf Spy and Golf WX, a little bit misleading. I actually played some holes yesterday and used it, and it doesn't it doesn't have that sort of... Uh, some other clubs that are out there in the market that have that hot sort of high toe, they feel or look very yeah, obscure when yeah. you're looking down at it. This one doesn't have yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. So that's the new 921 family and the ES21 wedge. Yep. Anything else from Mizuno that you want to talk to us about? Or? Not that's that I can. Not that you can. No, much. Don't, no. Don't um, we've, we've got some new balls out there. Yeah. Um, so the RB range of balls, which are, I guess suited for all sorts of different levels of golfers but again it's it's not something i can talk about it from a personal level but there's there's golf balls out there to suit different levels of golfers but you've got not only the 921 range the other range mp, the MP range. yeah once so again MP, mp range is is where i'm at like yeah. I, I the reason why i joined up with mizuno is again just like how you talk fondly about your brother using mizuno when you when you Kitty's Golf Club, um, yeah, the MP range is where it's all at for me. So I, I love the the blades there. Mm. That um, that extra layer of, of that carbon underneath is beautiful. What are you gaming? Uh, at the moment, forged. Mm. Yeah, um, I I really like it, and I again I like that sort of with the shorter irons having that feel, and the longer irons getting that harder face. But um, whether I start comboing a set pretty soon, I reckon um, that might come into it. Whether I use blades in the shorter irons and mm. forged or hot metals in the longer irons or HMBs, surely it'd be a bladesman. Surely you're blazing all the way from top I don't to know. bottom. I've tortured myself enough, Ross. Like I feel like <laughs> I feel like this this game is eating me alive, and I need to go for the the hot medals, maybe. But um, I think for me now, it's probably just all about length. I just want to hit it as far as I possibly can, so I might go the hot medals. Yeah, fair enough. Have you lost? Yeah, uh, you know, is that something that you've checked on yourself? You know, yeah, you lost a bit sure. of length. Yeah, yeah. Um, I reckon after my yeah the injury, I lost about oh. 15 metres roughly with driver. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm a long hitter or I was one of the longer hitters out there, but um, I certainly was longer yeah. and probably half a club to a club longer, yeah. What woods are you gaming? 
Uh, Woods currently um, is the ST two hundred nine point five. I like it, but uh, from what I've read about the new driver coming out, I think I'm going to like that even more. And funnily enough, Mizuno on that with the driver on that, um, Mizuno typically haven't been in the game with drivers, have they? Like you, you never really hear or or see. Excuse my phone. That's someone wanting to buy a Mizuno. <laughs> You never really hear or see anyone using it on tour. Um, like Luke Donald's always used it. There's been some like Mizuno like sort of loyalists that have used it. Um, but last week, well, over the short amount of time they've been working for Mizuno, every week from the US tour, we get like sort of a, a rundown of who's using our clubs or who's trying our clubs and things like that. And you'd be amazed at how many more guys are now starting to try the Mizuno driver. Um, yeah, it's um, pretty impressive. It's it's always interesting to see how that translates into people's bags, and you know, if I could crack, if you, if I manufacturers anyone can crack that code, it'd be that'd mm. be genius. But is it marketing? I don't, you know, I don't know. But you know, there's no question that the Mizuno Wood family are world class products. Yeah, it's great. You know, the technology, the construction. Yeah, they've always been one. They were the first ones to use that carbon crown. Yeah, um, and then when. I guess Taylor May came out with the the carbon crown. All of a sudden, everyone's like, "Wow, we haven't." Well, Mizuno's been doing it for ten odd years prior to yeah. that. Um, yeah, yeah. It, you, you're going to go hard to find, a, you know, a Mizuno, a Japanese product that doesn't have leading technology in it, because right. you know the the whole Japanese product evolution since you know the World War Two has been built around having leading technology and Spot being on. innovators of, and that's what Mizuno live about. Yeah, and the other the other thing that with Mizuno is we don't make. Um, say tour spec clubs um, our clubs what you would find on the rack in here or what's built um, over in Japan or built here in Australia is exactly what a tour player is getting it's mm. to that level for the general consumer they're getting that highest level of quality and, and um, yeah, I guess availability that Mizuno offer just like a tour player having Ooh. that's alright that's someone wanting to buy Mizuno as well <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah. um, having you know, fit a number of people for Mizuno products. Mm. Um, before we had the, before I had experience and exposure to the fitting cart and the shaft optimizer system, sure. I was first fit myself in uh, the Mizuno Europe yep. factory and wow. had had my first tour around Mizuno in their European club manufacturing uh, centre, which is in Scotland, in Cumbernauld. Wow. And uh, of course, I was in that part of the world for business, <laughs> and uh, so I went and had a Mizuno. Uh, tour of the factory, and 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 you know basically you know viewed where all of the clubs for Europe, um, Africa, and the Middle East were produced out of, and then I went upstairs and had a fitting with the the fitting guy, and uh, that was my first like experience with using the shaft optimizer yep. and just getting that real behind the scenes yep. look of you know the Mizuno Kaizen philosophies. You know, like if you know a bit about Japanese business and Japanese manufacturing, and and you know there's no waste. No, everything. Never, yeah. Everything's efficient. Spot on. You know, there's not unnecessary movements. You know, why go from point A to B if you have to go through C? You know, it's just the shortest possible route. You know, if, if one person can be skilled on every operation, you know, all they of those do it great. Very well. Yeah, they yeah. do it very well. It was it was really a real eye opener to see, yep. um, you know, essentially Europe's biggest, yeah. you know, production what do you facility. Think of the shaft optimizer. Yeah, well, I think it uh, it's a great tool. Yep. You know, it is a great tool for, for fitting. You know, I, I've used it here and it makes the fitting process 
very easy for the customer to understand. Mm-hmm. You know, very easy for the the fitter to to do and do very effectively. Yep. And and but it makes it easy for the customer to see and understand. Spot on. And that's that's the real sort of benefit that you know that tool offers someone like me or or someone less experienced than me. You know, yep. in some regards. Um, but it just someone like yourself who's it cuts. Yeah. It, for for me, my yeah. um, thoughts about it initially. With golf, you see so many like gimmicks out there, or you see so many things that um, people try and make you believe that um, you know, like you, this driver is going to hit it twenty meters further, or this shaft is twenty grams lighter, but it's going to offer so much more torque. Things like that. Um, with our shaft optimizer, so our fitting tool that we use, um, the reason why it's so unique or so different to everyone else's out there is it's actually been tested with like say tour plays or it's been tested against um, say your track mans or GC quads and things like that and it comes up exactly accurate mm. with those um, so that's where for me initially my initial thoughts on it well, I was a little bit second guessy because I have seen so many of these things come in the past and, and they go pretty quickly but with our shaft optimised being around for quite a while now mm. and with the new one with the 3D it cuts down that fitting time so much you hit three swings with it, it knuckles down your top three shafts that are suited for you. It gets your lie angle straight away, gets your length. You just choose what club head that you want or which one that you feel best with and you and you off you go. Um, whereas some fits might take an hour before you get to that. You can do this in five minutes. It does. That's why I was saying it makes it simple. You know, it doesn't make the decision for you and, mm. and you know, the customer is at the end and the results in yep. a fitting sense are still... It's yep. a recommendation. Yep. And just really to, to nail down... You know, those top three shafts because you know shaftology is a term that I use because it takes you know, forever, yeah, exactly. There's yep. there's a dozens and dozens of shafts and yep. everyone's using you know similar or same or different versions of you know one brand will use the ninety gram version, the other one has a different version, you know, yep. that sort of thing. So it can be confusing for a customer. Yeah, and know. for, for uh, the other thing that's not confusing with Mizuno, especially when we fit, is there's no there's so many shafts that aren't upcharged. We have seventy odd shafts that no upcharge. Um, 37 grips that are no upcharge. So it's like once you guys choose it, you know exactly what price that you're going to be paying um, unless you come and speak to Ross and he can do your little deal at Drum and Golf. No, this, this, <laughs> this is nothing to do with This is all about you, mate. This is not about me. This is about you. Um, very good. Now, Daniel, it's been great to sit down and, and get to know you a little bit better through this format. Uh, it's something that I'm very passionate about in it's my little contribution to the world of Australian golf having good man you know this will be episode 100 and something wow so you know we started a couple of years ago and turned a microphone on the recorder and we've recorded in cars we've recorded in golf clubs on course and you know we've got some semi-professional sort of looking gear here now um so we've done it everywhere and you know i don't know what episode this will be 100 and something but uh thanks for coming on thank you ross thanks for giving me your time in episode part one and now part two where we've talked about Mizuno and your and your world as a you know career oriented man I love it anytime let's play golf down at Peninsula Kingswood one day sounds great um might get a you know I might play in the group behind it. I don't think I, I, I'm not not never going to make it into the, the big boy group but uh <laughs> no let's have a hit down there and um bring Blakey along and uh bring some have, cash oh that's the hard part <laughs> okay very good mate Daniel Thanks for joining Thanks, me. Ross. Appreciate you, uh, your time. And uh, as I say, check out everything at Mizuno.com.au. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah Mizuno.com. Launched last week. Oh, so Mizuno.com.au. That's it. Okay, so we don't have to go to the European <laughs> site anymore. <laughs> right. Beautiful. There we go, Mizuno.com.au. You can see all the new Mizuno products. Will we see your face on there? No.
Yeah. I highly doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> and in, in the fitting studio, is Kenty in the fitting studio now? We're, we're changing locations, so we're actually going to be doing some fittings, indoor fittings. Yep. So, um, yeah, just give Mizuno a call and, and we'll organise where we're going to do it for you. Yeah, very good. Okay, thanks again, mate. See you next thanks, time. Ross.